to take a moment. This is Nathan Bennett. Mari Yamaguchi here. And on this episode, this is a great one because we have two very, very different approaches to sales. Yes. And if not approaches to life. Right. You have uh, <laughs> our guests on this episode are Ali Smith, who is an amazing account manager at Genesis, and Michael Walkup, who is a the Genesis supervisor of solution consultants. And I'll let them explain what all of that means because it's probably over my head. But at the end of the day, their job is sales. Yes. It was a sales 101 class for me, I feel. Yeah, like. it was. And completely different approaches. Yes. Um, and I think you But you'll, just as effective. But just as effective. Yeah. Both of them equally successful. Right. And we talked about that synergy of working together as a team, too, because right. they kind of need each other to, mm -hmm. and play off of each other. Which I didn't know. And it's almost like casting a play. You know, you got to have the right cast members in the right roles to succeed. Yes. And it was fascinating to listen to uh, their perspectives on everything from being a gunslinger and a sniper to wearing ascots uh, to being a jerk whisperer. I'll, yes. I'll let them get into that. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And also about building the right team right. as well. So that was that was eye-opening as well, too, to kind of get inside the head of a manager to know what, what makes them tick right. and what makes them go, that's the right person. Even if they might not technically have all the technical background, right? it's sometimes about the person. Right. It's about their personality, who they are. Yes. And sometimes some of those intangible things that you can't really teach somebody, mm -hmm. they just kind of have to have it. And how do you spot that right. in somebody? And, and also then cultivate it. it. And cultivate it. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was a lot of fun. There were lots of laughs, um, maybe even some bleeping of words that we had to do. Yes, and some um, fashion advice. Yes, and aspects. some fashion advice. So uh, if you're wondering about sales, if you're wondering about fashion, if you're wondering about becoming a sniper, uh, all of these things or are discussed and covered. Or a gunslinger. Uh, then you will enjoy this episode. So have fun. And take a moment. Um, I'm going to start off with some softball questions before I get to the really gooey stuff. Uh, Allie, how long have you been uh, with Genesis? And talk to us a little bit about your role, what do you do, and why are you such a badass? Um, I've been here for almost a year and a half. Uh, prior to coming to work directly for Genesis, I worked for a Genesis partner. So I've pretty much spent my entire career around Genesis, even though, of course, I had never imagined I'd be working in contact center technology. Um, so I am an account manager in, for the state of Ohio. So I work with customers and prospects in, uh, you know, selling capacity, of course, and, uh, also, you know, what they need post-sale as well, uh, continuing the relationship. So fostering new relationships and then continuing our, to keep our customers happy. I love it. I love it. And I would love to talk more about how one fosters those relationships too. Um, Michael is bringing the ascot back. He's a fashion if it ever left. As a, as a fabulous coworker of ours, Avi Chandra said to me, yes. and I have now picked this up as my mantra, I am the mascot with the ascot. The mascot with the ascot. There, I've heard you called much worse things, so that one works. I have been called much worse things to my face. Absolutely. So I will accept that one proudly. <laughs> but Michael, how long have you been with Genesis? I have been with Genesis. I came in through the interactive acquisition, the merger. Uh, but I've been doing this for five and a half years. I started as a solutions consultant and then about a year ago was promoted to supervisor. Nice. 
So we're kind of being a solution consultant. It's a weird, it's kind of a weird cross section because you need to have someone who is highly technical, but also high, but also high personal, high sales. Uh, the position used to be referred to as sales engineer. And there used to be a conversation, are you big S, little S, big E, little E? And to, and to be good at it, you have to be big S, big E. You have to be very good at sales. You have to be very good at connecting with customers, the communication, but then being able to immediately pivot and be highly technical, be able to speak to the technical resources on the customer side and being able to give, you know, concise quality information as well as doing the product demonstrations doing the proof of concepts and just being that technical resource. But at the same time, we're not separate from the account executive because we're still part of the sales process. We're still sales people. We're, we just have a very, we just have a different role. Whereas we're not managing the relationship that's more on the AE side of the fence. We're doing the technical piece, but we're still actively selling. I mean, any good sales process will have at least one to many demonstrations that is a hundred percent in the lap of the of the SC, the solutions consultant. And that's an hour of an hour to two hours to four hours of the SC doing their thing. And you need to have a personality. You need to have, you know, the skill to do that, to hold a room for an hour or four or hold detention over the phone for an hour. Right, right. Going through. I'll actually add that I think in my career prior to being a committed salesperson, I would say I observed a lot of people who didn't, a lot of salespeople who didn't think they needed to be technical. And I think, and I'll echo kind of what you're saying, you need a blend. I think salespeople also need a blend. You can't just be relationship or personality. You also need to understand the technology. Right. So you can't just, and I'm sure you, you know, I, my solution consultant, I work with you, you have to have that playing off of each other. And I'm sure you'd echo this as well, is that you can't just say, and now here's Michael and you're going to do the demo and then I'm the AE and I just sit here and I don't say anything. And you're 100% correct. I agree with you. But, you know, on the best AEs I've seen are the ones who take on the technical piece. Absolutely. The, the, the one who don't who don't sit back. Yep. You know, it becomes more performance art at a certain point because a lot of mime, a lot of mime work, a lot of uh, Cirque du Soleil sort of thing. Is that you know, hanging from flaming, wires, flipping around. Flaming hoops. It's like lots Penn of, Teller over there, right? right? right. Lots, of, lots of body paint and feathers. Right. Siegfried right. and Roy you without would, the white tigers. You would assume. No, no live animals. No live animals. No live but it's animals. in like in any sales, right? <laughs> like you really, as both an account executive and as a solution, you both need to have that education and know what it is that you're selling, your product. You Absolutely. at least have to have a little bit of that basic knowledge and going into it knowing you know what? I'm here to be a consultant, right? At the end of the day for your customer and our really customers and prospects needs. are smart. So, right. you know, if you are bullshitting the whole time or, <laughs> right. you know, you clearly have no idea what you're talking about, right. they see right through that. Right. So, right. so uh, describe to me the difference between an account executive or AE and a solution consultant or SC. I think it's the division of labor. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, SCs do more. Is that what you're? No, I'm, I'm, no, God, no. I would, I, I mean, there, there, there is so much on the AE side of the fence that I want zero part of. You guys are more than welcome to the contracting, to the redlining, to the negotiation piece of it. Or maybe I, it's a question of asking when does a solution consultant become involved mm -hmm. in, in that? What you talked about it being a yeah. sales process. And when do you guys kind of come in and, I, and start? To I'm very loose on that yeah. because sometimes. 
the SE comes in right at discovery, right at that first phone call. Sometimes we don't come in until there needs to be a demonstration. Sometimes I've got a couple of AEs that will do a preview demonstration. So they'll do something small for the customer before they even tell the SC that there's a customer like on deck ready to go. Yeah. So, and I think that's something where your the, the sales team that you're working with is is a little unique in that they have a faster sales cycle and they do a lot of demos themselves. I mean, we 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 sell a product that was really cool that even us salespeople can demo. So right. that's cool. But I would say that your group in particular can takes that on a lot more. So I'd say your sales process is a little bit different than mine versus even, you know, up to the enterprise level. Um, so for me, because I do have, in my opinion, a pretty good, I can handle a discovery pretty well and requirements gathering, that sort of thing. So I bring the solution consultant more towards either right before the demo or for the demo. So I like them to know that I have this person, but early on, maybe first one or two conversations, it's building that relationship and gathering insights and trying to get, get information for a really effective demo. So Absolutely. Probably different for different And one people. of the great things is that the division I'm part of, Velocity Sales, we've had a lot of new faces come in. And one of the things that has happened is that the, new, the newer AEs are working with the SEs from discovery forward, helping to build their relationship between the AE and the SE because we have set pairings. So this AE always works with this SE and each SE has three to four uh, account executives that they work with. So it's a, you want to start getting that relationship working. You want to get comfortable. So you, so you guys can pass the ball back and forth. How are you paired up? Like, how do you find that magical partnership? Like, you know, Michael, you were referring to earlier uh, of somebody that you just jive with. Do you go out on different calls or are there different meetings until you like find that person that you you don't have a choice so, <laughs> so you you're, make it work. you're paired up uh whether you like it or not um so i think sometimes it's luck of the draw really right. but i honestly believe that your solution consultant and your relationship with them can make or break deals really i mean i think the importance of a demo in what we do is huge. And when you're delivering a vanilla, boring demo, or you have no personality, it doesn't go over well. It doesn't, you know, you could have the best product, the best solution, but if that demo just falls flat, it's, they're not, they're not continuing on with you. And so having that, like what we have the ability to do, especially with pure cloud is develop really customized demos. We can make it very tailored to our prospect. Put their logo, use their language, create a script that's relevant to them, pull, you know, screen pops or, you know, iframe their website or, you know, make it show them that we care. We've pay, we've been paying attention. We've done our research and this is about you and this is about showing you what could be. And I think that we're uniquely positioned that we can do that. And not have if you don't have that solution consultant who's has that ability, you're kind of you're starting from behind. So I think we're doing a great job as as we talked earlier. We we here at Genesis are developing solution consultants to all be capable of doing that. So to your point about the relationship, sometimes it doesn't there isn't a good fit. Um, as as someone who sets those relationships, I can speak to it. Um, it's a big it's a big piece of personality. 
it's a big piece of, I need to know you, the salesperson, and I need to know my solutions consultant. Um, my team, I've had the advantage of being able to hire every single one of them in the last year. So everyone's fairly new to the space that we're working in or even new to solutions consulting within the last year. But we're also in the same space. We're all physically near each other in the same office, in the same hallway. So I can make my SEs, you need to go out, chat up everybody. And then I go see who jives with whom, who, who I can think, okay, you're this kind of person, you're this kind of person. I think you'll jive well together, but I'm not perfect. I had one pairing that I was very against because the SE is high snark <laughs> and the AE is high snark with two comedic styles that are so dry, it makes Death Valley look, <laughs> look, look wet. A lot of dry snark. Oh, and they're both fantastic and funny guys, but right. I was a little concerned about putting them together. And then situations changed and I didn't have a choice at the moment. So I set them together. They're doing fantastic. They're closing deals, doing a good job and love working together. Right. So. And that's another point where the Velocity team is physically located together. Right. So the in my in my segment, you know, my SC lives in Indianapolis and I live in Columbus, Ohio. So you, I think you have that advantage. I think some of the other teams don't, but I'm sure there's still a level of let's try to read personalities and right, set right. people up for success. Um, <clears throat> Ali, you mentioned PureCloud earlier. For those of us who don't know what PureCloud is, or I shouldn't say for those of us, I should say for those listeners who don't, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, PureCloud. You don't have to sell us on it. We just want to know what it is. <laughs> sure. So uh, Genesis is uniquely positioned because we offer, as Michael mentioned earlier, with a merger with Interactive Intelligence, another very large player in the contact center space a few years ago. We now offer have the ability to offer three platforms, three solutions. So depending on your needs and you know where you are in your maturity and your size, uh, we have Pure Engage, which is our legacy enterprise Genesis solution. We have Pure Connect, which is formerly known as CIC. It's an interactive intelligence solution. And those are both available in-premise or cloud, hosted cloud. And then there's Pure Cloud, which uh, was, was born at interactive intelligence and it is cloud 2.0, true cloud. It's hosted in Amazon Web Services. So that's for Michael and I, a, a solution that we, we focus on in our, in our market segment. Very cool. And Michael, talk to me about what is velocity. So we, we've been talking about these terms, but I want to make sure all of our 100%. listeners are on the same page. It's, it's a market segment that we've identified of 100 contact center seats or less. Okay. And the reason it's called velocity is that our sales cycles are a few weeks to a, to, to a couple of months. The rule of thumb, the back of the envelope estimate I usually kind of mark by is about a day per thousand dollars. So we're dealing with, you know, the averaging 20 to 20 to $200,000 deals and everything in between, you know, your, your $20,000 deals, we'll get them done in two to three weeks. You know, anything larger can sometimes take six months just due to the issue of complexity and what the customer needs. So we move very, very quickly and it's not, it's not we're moving so quickly that we're churning and burning, right. but our sales cycles are quick just due to the, due to the advantage of the size of what we're dealing with. I kind of want to take it back, Michael, to what you were talking about uh, pairing the account executives and your Velocity um, Solutions consultants more on that team building side and how you see, you said some of the folks that you hired in 
completely new to mm-hmm. the technology space and to even solutions consulting. As somebody that manages people, people coach or coaching, how do you see diversity and helping how that helps in building your part of the organization and the rest of the organization? So this is my first real management position. So when I got to the point of having to hire, I very much took the tact of, I can teach anybody the technology. I can get you to understand. I can get you to the point where you can explain it to people and show it. I can't teach you how to be charming. I can't teach you how to hold a room full of people's attention over the phone for two hours. That's something innate, that personality, that, you know, joy for the technology, but at the same time, the high geek level that it needs to be competent within the tool to be able to match with that personality. I love your point about you can teach anybody the technology, but you can't necessarily teach them to have that sort of human component. Um, I'm interested, we talked about demos a little bit. I'm interested in your tips of the trade. What goes into making a really great demo or uh, performing a really great demo? And I use the word performing intentionally. I say I can take it from my perspective and then since it's really more your world. Um, so I kind of mentioned earlier, you need to get to know your prospect. You need to, we, we have a cheesy term we call CX safaris where we, you know, call, call into their contact center, see what that experience is like, go to their website, do a web chat, you know, really get to know them. And, and what I've found is actually during that process through discovery, I can sort of let them know things that they didn't even realize were happening, but in a way that it makes them realize like you're in this every day and sometimes you're in it from another place. You're not calling your IVR. You're not looking at your website. And so it's really eye opening. But the fact that we took the time, it shows they they see that we're invested and that we care. And so for me, with my solution consultant, you know, going through that requirements gathering and doing that and then applying that to that customized, personalized demo, that is kind of my approach to it. So So when approaching demos, I've kind of come up with an allegory to try to define it, especially when I was training. And I refer to it as, you know, the sniper versus the gunslinger. Sniper versus the gunslinger. Gunslinger. So the sniper takes his time, plans, knows everything about the customer, studies their IVR, recreates it, gets everything lined up, and is patient and takes their time and sometimes can have days, if not weeks to prepare, which is something that Velocity does not have on a regular basis. The gunslinger practices. The gunslinger knows the answer to all the questions because he's gone through every single feature of the product and practiced what he was going to say or what she was going to say every single time, has worked through it and doesn't have to think. It's just muscle memory response as they're going through the demonstration. That being said, the sniper, the sniper can still move quickly and pull the trigger. The gunslinger still has to go into town and see where everything is and know and know the layout before, you know, b- you know, before they approach the customer. So it's it's a it's a little bit of a Venn diagram. It's a little bit are you twenty percent this, eighty percent that. I I am very high gunslinger because for years within Velocity, gunslinger with an ascot, you know, at, and I look good and I can still talk. <laughs> but you know, in Velocity, there was a period of time where I would get. I, the morning of, I would get a meeting for a demonstration that afternoon. So I have no time because I have two more demos before that one. So I'm walking into situations where I know nothing or I have, you know, 75 words of information from the, from the AE. And so you got to play it by ear. You got to move with the customer. 
and you don't have time to plan because you don't have time to plan. So you have to move quickly and you have to respond. And I have the advantage of having done over 700 pure cloud demonstrations. So, I mean, for, for me, it's so ingrained in my muscle memory. I think I could, I think I could probably do it in my sleep if I have the wrong dream. <laughs> <laughs> so for somebody that's just starting out, what would be one of your biggest recommendations? My biggest recommendation is to start as a gunslinger. You can plan and plan and plan, but once you get into the demonstration, once you get in front of the customer, if you don't know the product, if you can't pivot, if the customer asks you an insane question or is demanding, I don't care about this, show me this, you have to be able to move. Sometimes people who are a heavy sniper, their demonstrations can become one long narrative. Oh, and they their ability it. to pivot. Yeah, is and, and they end up practicing is one long narrative. It's like, you know, learning a soliloquy in any given Shakespeare play. Somebody interrupts you halfway through, you all of a sudden you're floundering because you can't pick it back up because you have this unbroken line of how it functions in your head versus the gunslinger. The gunslinger, you know, transfer is different, you know, workforce management, you know, and every single bit in that is a different response. It's not one speech. No, that, that's a really good point because especially with demos, it, yeah, I was at a demo yesterday and there's 15 people from the customer, you know, there, you have no idea what direction it's going to go. So question could be, you know, in left field, another one over here, you know, everybody has a different agenda and different thing that's important to them. And if you as a solution consultant and, and a sales executive can't move with that, you know, you'll be floundering. And so to your point, if you plan, you practice so hard that this is the way the demo goes, this is my script, you're going to get a little lost and kind of caught up. And that's just not what we do. Right? No, and, well, fluid. and, and I, I keep I keep admonishing my team, don't look like an amateur. It sounds terrifying. Al, you mentioned you were at a demo yesterday and there are like 15 people there and you have questions coming from everywhere around the room. Do you get freaked out before you walk into that room? I was with a partner as well, so but I'd never met any of these people and I didn't have that firsthand experience. And so you know, the, the partner was taking the heavy lifting Our you know, my solution consultant too, was two solution consultants and myself, you know, we, they had the demo. And so I didn't have any speaking responsibilities or anything like that, but I do like to interject and kind of help with, especially guiding with, if I, if I see something or pick up on something from someone in the room, I try to help guide my solution consultant, like, well, let's, you know, let's go over here. Um, let's, you know, let's take a look at that. Um, so I like to add in. So yesterday I would say I was not nervous. Um, sometimes, especially if it's me or I have to do a speaking part, um, you know, I, I feel very confident about what I do and about what I'm selling, but I still have those nerves. Uh, What's been some of the craziest questions you've heard? You said, you know, you can have so many people in a room and yeah. some left field questions. I can't recall anything, you know, other than that, I think the, the, Oh, actually, no, I take that back. I had one customer who was wanting to know if we could put sensors in the chairs so the calls so so they would know whether or not they were at their desk. Oh. Because the presence on the computer to like, you know, setting that I'm here or busy wasn't good enough for them because they feared their contact center employees pulling shenanigans wow. or trying to cheat or whatever to a point that they wanted to know if they were physically there. So back to the culture thing, that's not somewhere I would like to work. Right. <laughs> I know. That does seem like that is a culture problem, right? Yeah. And, and, that, and that comes down to it's like, I cannot help you 
if you can't trust your employees, you need to fix that first. That's yeah. a big, big problem. But but back to your point of being in a room full of 14 people, I'm scared to death before I do any any presentation like that, before I get up in front of any group of people, be it be it two, be it a couple of thousand at SKO. But right. So how point, do you deal with that? How, how do you deal with that fear? Though? How do I deal with that? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different ways. Um, at this point in my career, in my journey at Genesis Interactive Intelligence, I know I know what I'm doing. I am 100% confident that I know how to do this job. But at the same time, that doesn't keep you know a healthy dose of imposter syndrome right. to come through. Because 20 plus years of my career was not in a sales space, it, you know, wasn't even in a telephony space. It was technology and it was, you know, a few other things. Like I went into loan origination for a brief minute back when the housing market was blowing up the first time. But this is like it was an unfamiliar space for me when I started being the focus of the room. Turns out I, I had a talent for it, but it hasn't kept me from being scared to death, hasn't kept me from. Sure. Feeling a level of stage fright, panic slash, you know, horse in the racing paddock ready to go, you know. But that it, also probably is good, right? Like if you're so comfortable, you get too confident right. and you think, I know everything, right? And so the one time Carol Burnett in her biography, she tells a story about the one time she bombed. She went up to the Catskills, was super confident, knew she had the room, walked down that walked out there and face planted hard. And after the show. Some little old man came up to her backstage and was like, you know why you failed? Because you thought you had us. You came out, thought, thought you had us, and that's why we didn't like you. If you're not nervous, if you're not excited, if you go out there bored, like, you know, you, you, you've, you've hit a level of burnout doing this because you've done it so often, which honestly, at this point, I'm honestly stunned because, you know, I've done hundreds of these. You know, it should be comfortable, but I'm happy that it isn't because it keeps me keeps me on my toes. Well, and I think that speaks to the technology as well. It keeps changing and evolving and we keep adding features and we keep, I mean, you know, we in our space have to be able to be nimble. And, and I think that hopefully helps with not being bored is that right. it's a constantly evolving thing. And that's the beauty of the direction of the market is that with pure cloud, it's able to be more nimble and change and evolve. And, and our users can consume the features and updates. It's not this whole, you know, do an upgrade and next year you might have all the new features. You know, we know we're in a instantaneous society. We want everything now, actually right. yesterday. Right. And, yesterday. And so, you know, hopefully that helps keep us interested in our jobs because we need to continue to learn and, and you know, it's, it's always changing and it's going to continue to change. Absolutely. And you, I love that you said I'm, we're in a constant state of learning. And I think that's one of the reasons why the two of you are so successful is because you are always sort of absorbing new information and you have to, you've got to be that quick. When we talk about nerves, um, one of the things I get to do in my job is I get to uh, do a lot of presentation coaching and workshops. And one of the things that we address is that fear that you, or, or those nerves or what's happening to you physiologically before you get up in front of people. Uh, the, Number one fear of all humanity is speaking in public. And number two is death. So like Jerry Seinfeld has this great joke where he says that means if you're at a funeral, you would rather be in a casket than delivering the eulogy. And there's something to that. But the cool thing is, is that 
when your body is, your heart rate increases, you start to sweat a little bit, your mouth gets a little dry, your palms get a little sweaty. We can interpret that as fear, but it's the same physiological response as excitement. So if you think about it in those terms of, I'm not terrified right now, I'm jacked, I'm so excited, <laughs> uh, I'm ready to go. But conversely, like right before I'm terrified, when I'm up there, when I'm in a room of, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 engineers, all of whom want a piece of me. Right, right, Because, right. because they, they, they all have their own set of questions. Right. That became my happy place. I don't know how, I don't know why, but that's where I'm comfortable. And that's kind of where the gunslinger sniper thing came out because somebody made a comment that I was like quick drawing every single answer. And because, you know, it, it's on Johnny on the spot, you react, you move, you pivot. Everybody wants, everybody has their own topic and everybody has, you know, got that. I need my question answered. I don't care about anybody else's question. So I'm going to ask you a question about architecture and someone else is going to ask you functionality about some obscure feature set that you didn't even bring up during that demo. I do like how you call it a performance. Yeah. Yeah. Because cool. it, it, at the end of the day, it is, right? Like you it still really get is. the same tingly feeling. And <laughs> I mean, I remember, yeah. Right. So I remember when I was, I was growing up, I was a competitive figure skater. Every single time I could be as prepared as I could be in a competition. But when I got out there, it was just, you know, I would get all sweaty and tingly <laughs> and all excited and things could go wrong, right? Like I could fall and, or I can miss, miss, you know, some, some element. But at the end of the day, it's having that mentality of not just being a sniper all the time, but also being a gunslinger and being able to pivot and say, you know what, I missed that jump. I need to put that in somewhere else and be able to pivot. So you know it so well, yes. the routine, if yes. you will, you know it so well that even if you get interrupted, right. you know I can slide. Right. What was supposed to have been here, I can slide it, it in, here. in here. Yeah, That's amazing. I'm not going to be mad at you if you fail. I'm not going to be mad at you if something goes wrong in the demo or something breaks. That happens. It happens to everybody. If it hasn't happened to you yet, it will. I will be mad at you if something goes wrong and you do not recover or you recover badly. <laughs> you know, it, that's, that's what I care about because I've had demos recently where things have gone wrong. Right. My, you know, my, my browser decides to crash or, you know, something, I didn't build something right and I forgot to publish it properly or, you know, some, some other mix of, you know, human and technological error. You, you got to recover. You got to keep going. Because if you're lucky, the customer won't notice. <laughs> Only you and the AE will we're, notice. Yeah, and we're our biggest critics. And we, you know, you like you have that plan, you have your your performance. And, you know, if you slide it in somewhere else, no one else knows. So it is like you just that that art of the recovery. Don't let it, you know, bring you down. Nobody else probably even notice. Absolutely. And, th and that's a huge part of the SEAE uh, relationship that you need to jump in the yeah. instant you sense anything wrong, start talking. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, and that's something actually Adam and I were on a demo when I was in my my previous uh, life with a partner and it, we had a huge room and it was like everything was going wrong. And it was, they were, it was, the company was in a new building and like their, t their TVs didn't work and all these things were going badly. Their Wi-Fi was bad. Well, they didn't care. They just saw him floundering. And I'm like, well, you know, I was a younger at the time and I was definitely not the most senior person in the room, but he still has respect for me to this day because I was the only one who helped him during this horribly awkward situation. And he still tells people about it like, oh, she jumped in and, you know, just 
kept it going. It was still awkward at the end of the day because people <laughs> were awkward, but it was better than sitting there watching, you know, him stammer around and try to figure this out. So. Now, the SC is already spinning a number of plates. And there comes a point that I can't talk and resolve whatever's gone wrong at the same time or talk and move to the next thing that might take a moment, a moment of preparation, even live. So that's when the AE jumps in. That's when the AE jumps in and, you know, diverts attention, recaps, asks, you know, hey, are you liking what you see? Is this, you, you see how this can work for you? And, you know, just keep the ball rolling, keep them engaged. That's like a dance when you're in the room together. 100%. It's a, it, it, it's a dance. It's a, it's a gunfight. It's a ballet. It's, it's improv. And, it's, that, and that's why when you, like, when that expectation is that, you know, and here's the demo or, and then you just kind of, you know, go back in the corner and don't say anything, it doesn't work. It, it's not successful, I don't think. No. You, need, you need, to your point, to have that relationship and that partnership because otherwise it just doesn't work. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Walkup. Yes, sir. Can you think of a time where you failed big time and it turned out you were able to use that failure to become successful later? Sometimes I say, what's your favorite failure? Honestly, the, when I started this job, you know, five and a half years ago, I was terrible. <laughs> and there were plenty of times that I misspoke, that I gave bad information, that I got caught flat footed because I honestly had no idea what I was doing. You know, there is a period of time that, you know, I had no structure and I had no, no training in what I'm doing now. So a lot of, I had to develop a lot kind of in a vacuum, you know, a couple of books, a little bit of direction from some of my coworkers, but, you know, about an hour and a half's worth of, worth of actual training and, you know, whatever I could figure out on my own. So in the beginning, it was constant failure. And, but that was part of the learning process. And thankfully, Part of the, and that's an assumed part of the learning process that when you start, let's give you low dollar value. So if you do fail, it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt us. Let's right. not let's not test you out on the big dollar things that if you fail, it's going to screw it up for everybody. And it's like it's more about a, a frame of mind. Yeah. Right. You're going to have those little even if it's not some big monumental failure, you're going to have those little moments of man, I screwed up. I screwed up. I screwed up. And if you go into it with the frame of mind that you were discussing earlier of it, it's, it's not, it's okay to fail. It's how you recover. Exactly. And that's kind of where I, I kind of, that's exactly where I came up with that, with that train of thought that I can't just fail because I don't want to lose my job or I don't want to make a bad name for myself. So I gotta, I gotta keep getting back up. And, you know, I've gotten to the point that even when I screw up now, when I fail now, I, I get back up, keep going because I don't know any better. You know, it's I, you know, laying there and wallowing in my guilt isn't isn't an option because I have 30 other deals that I have to keep keep my eye on. I don't have time to feel regretful about about how I lost a deal or how something went sideways with a deal. I, I don't have that kind of time. I don't have that bandwidth and neither do any of my guys. But I do have the bandwidth to learn the lesson. I do have the bandwidth to figure out what I learned and what I can do to do better next time. I love the bandwidth to learn the lesson. That's a that's a cool. Thank you. But what about for you, Miss Sally? I would say, and I, you know, of course, who likes to talk about their failures? But I had an experience last year with it was like every piece. I had a very hard customer that just was not willing to 
give anything or be, and I could not connect with this person on any kind of, you know, in person could not connect. And the first time I met him, he came in, I had a good rapport with someone who reported to him and had worked with him many times, but this is the first time I'm meeting this decision maker of, you know, head of the contact center decision maker. And he comes into the room with someone else who reports to him who I had never met before. And again, we were demoing and are getting ready to demo. And I would generally like, hi, how are you? I'm, I'm Allie or you know, introduction, something. No, he had a conversation, continued his conversation. That was it. So I never, and I had someone in the room, a very seasoned uh, solution consultant with me and with lots of personality. And it was just the most uncomfortable, awkward thing. So I could even see the demo went okay. And he was, you know, this individual was responding, but I just felt so defeated afterwards and it just threw me off. And so what I did was I, we had an opportunity to go back for a second demo for, um, it was planned that way the whole time to uh, focus on workforce management. And so I'm like, okay, I have to recover. I have to make up for this really terrible experience. And the fact that this guy didn't even introduce himself to me and just it, that all went bad too, because then I over, you know, I invited people and had intros and these things. And it just, that was, that was just horrendous. And so I'm in the room by myself and all these people are virtual and we're in a little room, the same individuals. And I'm watching this thing, you know, go down in flames. And it was funny because the, the person demoing knows me and he said, I imagine he calls me as soon as he got, he goes, I imagine you were sitting there red in the face. And, you know, I was, oh yeah, I'm sure I bright red, you know, horrified with the experience. So I would say that's, that was a, you know, we, we lost the opportunity. It was an existing customer too, that was looking to migrate and lost the opportunity. And that was really embarrassing. And just, I did not do anything right. I felt, and whether or not it was lost from the beginning, those two experiences were really negative. And so I'm, I mean, I'm the same way. I, I try to learn and get better and improve and, you know, how can I be a better salesperson and how can I not let this guy get to me and, you know, let me take a little more pride and ownership and, and control back and to say, I'm going to, I'm not going to let you not introduce yourself to me and right. we're going to set the stage a little better. And so, you know, very similar, you, you have to learn from these failures and, and go forward. Cause we're going to have another opportunity. We're going to have more opportunities. We're going to have other demos and I'll meet more challenging people just like him. Right. And, you know, I have to keep that in mind and not let it get to me. Right. It's almost like, well, now that I've dealt with that kind of person, that was unexpected. I didn't, I wasn't uh, prepared for him to treat me that way when I walked in the room. But now that you've had it, you've gone through it, you've learned from it, you've grown and developed, you're ready for that person again. Yeah. Or that kind of person. Can you both think of a moment or a, a, a story behind when you fell in love with what you do, when you thought what I'm doing isn't just making me money, isn't just, you know, putting a roof over my head, but I'm actually invested in what I'm doing and what I'm doing actually matters. My first really bad day. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you what happened. I couldn't tell you what the scenario was, but I remember on my first really bad day at Interactive. I realized that my bad day was far better than my best day at every other job I had had because I actually liked what I did. I felt invested. I felt like I was 
I felt I was doing something tangible and it was, it really gained traction with me. And my worst day at Genesis is still better than my best day at any other job I've had. Alex, do you have a? It was, it didn't take me that long to realize it was the right choice. And to your point, I mean, we have flexibility. We have, you know, for me, I no longer have to commute an hour, you know, to in the car to go do, you know, I get to work at home and I get to meet people from all over the world. I get to travel. I get to do, you know, meet people in my, in my state and, you know, get to know them and their business. And so, so I completely agree with that. Um, I, I, my other, my other kind of story and as moments connected as a Genesis uh, phrase or tagline, um, my husband has had um, cancer a couple of times. And earlier this year, we were at the hospital and it was no joke. The day of, of surgery, I saw Genesis customers everywhere. And I'm like, what, what a freak I am to be seeing our customers. You know, that's the thing I'm seeing. But it did make me kind of take a step back and say, we have customers that impact lives and healthcare. And I mean, we have we have customers in every vertical that are doing things. And so that was a big moment for me. It was an aha moment. It was a moment connected where, I, you know, we have these customers who are impacting saving lives and, you know, in hosp- products in hospitals and product, you know, in operating rooms and things like that. So that was really cool for me. Um, I've got a question for you both. Do you guys have any books that have been really impactful either in your personal life or in your career that you would give away to a really good friend or uh, an associate? I am not a good, like I read sales books. Like I'm not, that's not been my, uh, but I will kind of flip it over to someone who just gave literally a week ago, sent me two books. And so I need to become good at that is, um, so, uh, Jeffrey Jittimer's like little red book of selling. So I need to check that out. Uh, it's sitting at home. And the other one is, um, it's written by the producer of Mad Men. It's called Seducing Strangers, How to Get People to Buy What You're Selling, The Little Black Book of Advertising Secrets. Wow. So heard very good things. I think I'm going to start with this one. Seducing Strangers. Seducing Strangers. Interesting. So for me, I think the book that's had the biggest effect on my career, especially on how I do my job, is a book called Just Effing Demo. Hmm. And it comes down, it's basically focused around, you know, just do your job. It's written by uh, Rob Falcone. One of the hardest things about doing a demonstration, about doing any presentation, is getting that customer buy-in, getting that customer's attention. And one of the places where I see demonstrations and presentations start to fail is that you're taking the first five minutes, the first 15 minutes on things they don't care about. It's fantastic. Our history is great. This feature set's fantastic. But this isn't going to help them. This isn't addressing their problem. Go right to where the problem is. Go right to what they asked about. Can you do this? Absolutely. And that's where you start the demonstration. Blow their mind, get their buy-in early, make them make them see the product as a solution to their problem versus taking, you know, taking that first portion of the conversation, you know, once you get past, you know, introductions and doing something that is not impactful, not mind-blowing, not engaging to the customer. You know, if they if all they care about is email routing, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes showing them how we handle handle 
handle voicemail. Right. You know, it's it, it's unnecessary to them. Show them what's important to them first, get their buy-in. And then they start off with a little bit of that adrenaline, a little bit of endorphins of, oh, this is going to work. This is going to be fantastic. Show me more. Right. It, it, it is amazing to how many times uh, people come into a pitch or a demo and just start talking about themselves as opposed to talking about the problem that they're there to address. I remember seeing a pitch of an advertising company um, in the past and we wanted to see some of their work and we wanted to understand the approach that they were going to take. Well, instead of leading with that, we had a 12 minute video about their office building, where they were located, the cool like brick exposed brick in their headquarters and like stuff like that. And it was 12 minutes long of them just talking about how cool they are. And, and no never once, never once did they address the problem that they were there to solve. Uh, Ali Smith, Michael Walkup, thank you so much for this conversation. You guys have been incredible. I feel like I've been empowered to go sell things, although I am nowhere near as brave as the two of you are. So thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys.